Welcome to Driven by Purpose with Makanjuola Davis, a M. Davis Project production podcast where knowledge never grows gray. Here is today's broadcast. Love has redemptive power. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s sermon, Loving Your Enemies was delivered at Dexter Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama, on November 17, 1957. There's this popular quote, an excerpt from the sermon. It says, Now, there is a final reason I think that Jesus says, love your enemies. It is this, that love has within it a redemptive power. And there is a power there that eventually transforms individuals. That's why Jesus says, love your enemies. Because if you hate your enemies, you have no way to redeem and to transform your enemies. But if you love your enemies, you will discover that at the very root of love is the power of redemption. He continued by saying, you just keep loving people and keep loving them, even though they're mistreating you. Here's the person who is a neighbor, and this person is doing something wrong to you and all of that. Just keep being friendly to that person. Keep loving them, don't do anything to embarrass them. Just keep loving them, and they can't stand it too long. Oh, they react in many ways in the beginning. They react with bitterness because they're mad because you love them like that. They react with guilt feelings, and sometimes they'll hate you a little more at that transition period, but just keep loving them and by the power of your love they will break down under the load. That's love, you see. It is redemptive, and this is why Jesus says love. There's something about love that builds up and is creative. There is something about hate that tears down and is destructive. So love your enemies, end of quote. I have stood my ground many times in some of the churches I attended to kick against, the enemies must die syndrome. Most pastors I served under found it hard to believe my view because they most often say it is impossible to love your enemies. They are right, it is impossible to love your enemies and that is what makes the act divinely. I said in one of my popular sayings that, to return evil for good is ruthless. To return good for good is human, but to return good for evil is divinely. If I may ask you which other way can you go to interpret the word of Christ in the book of Matthew that says, you have heard people say, love your neighbors and hate your enemies. But I tell you to love your enemies and pray for anyone who mistreats you. Then you will be acting like your father in heaven. He makes the sun rise on both good and bad people. And he sends rain for the ones who do right and for the ones who do wrong. If you love only those people who love you, will God reward you for this? Even tax collectors love their friends. If you greet only your friends, what's so great about this? Don't even unbelievers do that? But you must always act like your father in heaven. This is the most incredible and profound passage in the scripture I have ever come across. And most of the so-called believers across the world are still struggling to handle. The very first day I stumbled upon the passage, I couldn't believe it was in the scripture. But sad enough for me, it was in the scripture, and I was left with no choice than to put my power under control from taking revenge of any kind against my offenders. Not many pastors in the world have been able to handle this passage well. Some ignore it because it will expose their false teaching about loving one's enemies. Some even founded their doctrines on it, which has won them many members in their churches. You ask how? It is because most believers I have come across wish there could be instant judgment upon their enemies. It is hard to wish anyone good who wishes you evil. But I will share with you before the end of this broadcast why it is important you pray for your enemies. I know it is not in any way easy. And Christ never told us it would be easy to love our enemies. That is why we need Him. You will never learn how to love your enemies if you factor your power on your strength or your emotions. That is not the agape love the scripture talks about. 
Agape is not controlled or produced or provoked by emotions. Agape love is a willing act of love we endure to express. If you depend on your emotions to love those who hate you, it will never happen. You need your emotions to get angry. You need your emotions to cry, and even to hate requires the need of your emotion. To love your enemies, it is beyond what your emotions mastery, for it is only the act of God's divine work that is made possible in the lives of believers who trust in Him. Christ commanded that we are to love our enemies and to pray for those who despitefully hate us and persecute us. The fact that love is commanded shows that it is a matter of the will and not primarily of the emotions. It is not the same as natural affection because it is not natural to love those who hate and harm you. It is a supernatural grace which can be manifested only by those who have divine life. Our Lord's example of the higher righteousness demanded in His kingdom concerning the treatment of one's enemies, will remain a mystery how He could still die for those who never gave up on killing Him. Christ calls for us to exercise this impossibility, but only through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus stood silent before his accusers who he came to save, allowing them to crucify him. The only way he could win the ultimate battle over sin for us. The old law allowed retaliation, but Jesus calls for reconciliation. Here are some of the reasons you need to pray for your enemies. 1. Friends often end up becoming foes. If you have been listening to my podcast well, I have shared this quote a few times. It says, I asked God to protect me from my enemies. Then I started losing friends. You can never tell who among your friends or family members that will be up against you tomorrow. If you look at the metamorphosis of an enemy well, you will realize that most of the fiercest enemies we will ever fight and face in life will graduate from being a friend to a foe. If you remember the story of King David in the scripture, the greatest enemy he ever faced was never Goliath, but his very son Absalom. Absalom was the third son of David, King of Israel. He rebelled against his father, King David, and was killed during the Battle of Ephraim's Wood. Pray for your enemies, you could be saving one of your family members. 2. God decides who lives and who dies. I have shared this very point in one of my episodes, it is important I repeat it again today. As long as you have no power to make a life, you are in no position to destroy one. Leave it to the Creator and the owner of life to decide whose life he takes next. Let him apportion to whom he gives mercy or who he bestows upon with grace. 3. We are all sinners and enemies of God. Your sin may be small, but I'll like to remind you what scripture says, for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. If a small sin can make you a candidate of hell, that means you need mercy. Therefore, seek for the same mercy on behalf of those who sin against you. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. 4. God is intentional permitting the afflictions of our enemies. Not all our afflictions from our enemies are as the result of our sins. The role of an enemy in your life will never be accomplished by a good friend. Diamond earns its sparkle from the pressure it endures. You will go higher in life whenever an enemy comes for you. For he comes to push you. I learnt the larger the bricks our enemies throw at us, the larger the palace we are going to build. If God removes every enemy, it will limit our growth. Therefore, stop cursing what God has blessed. This is what people do when they feel any pressure from an enemy. 5. Enemies can also be powerful allies. Never write anyone off, your worst enemy today may be the one who will save you tomorrow. Do not sit in the position of God as if you can see tomorrow. 6. God is motivated to fight for those who leave the fight for him. The easiest way to provoke God into action to fight on your behalf is by allowing him to be God. 
Ignoring certain things can make you look stupid, but you're wiser and more dangerous than those who fight for themselves. 7. Vengeance is God's business. The scripture made it clear about God's stand in avenging for ourselves. The scripture says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. If God promises to fight for you, then why the worry? Conclusively, it is critical you know that paying back good for evil may be difficult and exhaustive, but it can provoke a redemptive power over your enemies. We should be more driven to save souls than for more souls to end up in hell. Not many people can stand the power of your love when you're paying them back good for their evil. It is a burden they can't bear for too long. I have seen people who crashed under this burden in tears. It is simple, they became embarrassed and shamed of the love towards them. That is why you will see people coming to you with burden of guilty apologizing because they know they have done you wrong. This has happened to me a few times. I cried because I realized the power in paying good for evil is more lethal than paying evil for evil. May your ways please God, and may he make your enemies your best friends. Amen.